is, as you're opening to Romans chapter 6, baptism is one of the two ordinances of our church. One of the ordinances we looked at just last week with the institution of the Lord's Supper when Jesus gathered his disciples together and after the Passover, um, he celebrated his broken body and shed blood through uh, the wine and then also the bread. And we also observe that. And today we're going to be able to have the chance this evening to observe baptism. Um, an ordinance, for those of you that may not know what that word means or what its relationship is to the church, an ordinance is something that we believe that Jesus commanded the church to do. And it's not just a command in the sense that I want you to do this, but both of the ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, uh, really deal exclusively with the redemptive work of Christ, painting a picture, a symbol, reminding us of what He did for us on the cross through His life, death, burial and resurrection. It's not just something that we believe Jesus commanded us to do as a church, but we also believe it's something that we can see evidence of as a common practice, a regular practice in the early church. So our two ordinances are Lord's Supper and Baptism. And as we talk about baptism this morning, let me say just a few brief things by way of introduction before we get into Romans 6. There are some misunderstandings regarding baptism regarding what it is or what it is not. And I want to just kind of clarify some of this this morning in this sermon by sharing with you that some of the common misconceptions or misunderstandings surrounding this beautiful picture of baptism that Christ has given us is in that some people think too much of baptism and some people think too little of baptism. Now, for those of you that want to get up and walk out saying that I said that we think too much of baptism, let me clarify what I mean. I don't, I'm not saying that baptism is not important. I'm not saying that baptism is not something that we as a church are to be about and an individual is to definitely consider as their first step of obedience. But what I'm speaking of in, putting in, in thinking too much of baptism is when some ascribe something to baptism that it was never intended to be. Some people call this baptismal regeneration. It's a certain system, a certain theology that believes that baptism is essential for one's salvation. That they, in essence, believe that you are not saved, that the redemptive work is not complete until one has been baptized. If, if you believe that baptism is essential for your salvation, then that would be a misunderstanding from God's Word. That doesn't line up with God's Word. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we have been saved by grace through faith and not of works. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That my salvation, your salvation, is by grace through faith alone. There are no actions that I can do in order to earn favor with God. It is a free gift that is offered to us and we receive it by faith in the Word of God, in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There are others that believe that baptism has... Or let me give you another example of someone uh, thinking too much of baptism. I've run into this several times as a pastor where people get this idea that baptism is by some, in some way the apex of their spiritual life. That they believe in their mind that once they are baptized... They have then fulfilled all of the requirements that God has for them. And you may run across people like that, that 
when you discuss their spiritual journey with them, they will point back to the moment of their baptism and say, oh yes, I was baptized um, when I was 12, or I was baptized at that church, or that pastor baptized me. And they look to baptism as that spiritual apex of their journey with Christ. And if I might use an Olympic illustration for a moment, baptism is not the finish line of our spiritual journey. It's not, it is not that climactic moment of our spiritual journey. It's not the finish line. Baptism really is the starting block of our journey with Jesus Christ. That is when we are ready, set, and go. There are those who think too little of baptism. There are some out there. And they think that if baptism is not essential to my salvation and it's not going to change God's view of me or my standing with God, then why in the world would I want to risk getting up in front of people and getting my hair wet and letting my makeup run? It happens. I know a pastor that said one time that he was counseling a young man about baptism. And the young man said, seriously, it's important for me to get up in front of everybody and get dunked. It's seriously important for me to get up in front of everybody and get dunked. The pastor then proceeded to speak about the beauty of the picture and the ordinance of baptism, the way God designed it, what God's Word said. And at the end, the young man said, I understand, it is important for me to get up in front of everybody and get dunked. Let's look this morning at baptism. I want to read the, 13, the, the, uh, I want to read the first 13 verses of Romans chapter 6, the apostle says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. I was talking with Jason this morning, and I said, you know, it's, teaching on baptism in one sermon is a little difficult because... It, baptism is spoken of all throughout the Scriptures. And through, as we look at the different Scriptures, um, we're able to get a very good understanding of what baptism is. We see Jesus' baptism. We, we know in the Scriptures about John's baptism of repentance. We see in the book of Acts that the early believers were baptized right after they were saved. We're reminded of the Ethiopian eunuch 
uh, that went down into the water and said, what, what shall forbid me? We know 1 Corinthians chapter 12 speaks of baptism here in Romans chapter 6. So this morning, even though Romans 6 is going to be our main text, I do uh, hope that on your message note part of the bulletin this morning, you may jot down some of these other references that we're going to be uh, referring to uh, for your own further personal study. The first thing I want you to be able to see about baptism is it's an act of confession. An act of confession. Now, when I'm saying confession, I'm not saying uh, that when you walk back to the baptistry uh, before service that I uh, say, okay, tell me every sin you've ever committed. I, I, I've never done that. I don't need to do that. that. That's not what I'm speaking. I'm not talking about confessing to someone your sin. I'm speaking about a verbal profession of your faith. Confessing with your mouth, with your body, your faith in Jesus Christ. Jot down Acts chapter 2, verse 40 and 41. You might just jot that down. It may even be a reference in your Bible. I'm not sure. But let me say this. Baptism is a public declaration according to the scriptures a public declaration declaration of the individual's faith in the death burial and resurrection of christ as the means of their individual deliverance from sin or redemption Baptism in the book of Acts chapter 2, after Peter was finished speaking, the Bible says that they were cut to the heart. And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In verses 40 and 41, the apostle records in the book of Acts that the people then who gladly heard his words were baptized. Those people who heard Him say, be saved from this perverse generation, those people who heard that salvation was in Christ alone, who were cut to the heart, convicted at their core of their lostness and their need for Christ, those people then responded, not just in saving faith, but then they followed it in baptism. In fact, if you look back in our verse in Romans chapter 6, we see this, look at how close, Look at how beautiful this picture is that the Apostle is painting. I want you to look in chapter 6. Look at verse 3. Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death. We were buried with Him. Verse 4, therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead. Look at verse 5, for if we have been united together in the likeness of His death. Do you see how closely the Apostle Paul is saying to those believers in Rome that when you were baptized, it wasn't just getting dunked in front of a whole bunch of people? He's saying that when you were baptized and you were buried all the way under that water, you were buried together in the likeness of the death of Jesus Christ. He is making sure that those believers know that this is not some empty action that the church was practicing. He's making sure they understood the significance and the beauty and the symbolism of that act of baptism. It is a believer saying, I have heard the gospel. I have understood my need for salvation through Christ alone. And I am responding today in this likeness of the death, 
the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something about baptism. That person who is going, who is being a part, who is participating in that ordinance of baptism has the privilege that day, that moment of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ without ever saying a word. By going to the water, being buried underneath the water, being raised again, and off to new life. Through this beautiful picture of the likeness of the death, burial, and resurrection, through admission of their own acceptance of the gospel themselves, and that likeness of burial and resurrection, they are preaching the gospel without even having to say a word. Buried together with Him in the likeness of His death. Praise God, it does not just end with the likeness of His death, but we shall also walk in newness of life. In newness of life. Guys, aren't you glad baptism is a symbol? You know why I'm glad baptism is a symbol? Because if baptism was not a symbol, then I would not be able to read these Scriptures in a figurative sense. Had the Apostle not said just as and likeness, and it really was salvation, then I wouldn't have the opportunity to read that and interpret it as a picture. So let me tell you how baptism would work if baptism was not a symbol or a picture. I would have to take the candidate, take him into the baptistry, dunk him under, and hold him until the bubble stopped, and then bring them back up trusting that God was going to give them new life. How many of you would want to sign up for that baptism? If baptism was not a symbol, I would have to literally hold you down, bury you in the likeness, and hold you down until you have been buried together in the likeness of Christ and your bubbles stop. And once your bubbles stopped, I would bring your little white head back up and your blue lips and everything and trust and trust. I guarantee, I guarantee this. We may have fewer people being baptized, but whole world, you better watch out when those believers come out. We may not baptize many Christians if we did it like that, but the world better watch. You will be charging hell with a water pistol if you sign up for that and you come through. I think that might infuse a little more life into a church, wouldn't you think? I'm not going to start it. Amen. That's the heartiest amen or response I think I've ever had in any sermon. And that's simply from you saying, I'm I'm glad the pastor's not going to drown anybody. For those of you that may have been on the fence, you just hopped off the fence and ran away from the fence, and now it's my job to bring you back. Baptism is not just an act of confession. You're not just communicating to all those uh, that are present. You're not just communicating to other believers. You're not just communicating to the family that you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, this, this public display of an inward change. You're not just painting that picture for them and confessing that with your mouth, but it's also an act of connection. It's an act of confession, and it's an act of connection. You might recall in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says there in verse 40 and 41 that after uh, they, they heard His Word gladly, meaning they would receive that Word of salvation, they accepted salvation for themselves individually, personally, then they were baptized. Verse 40 and 41 say that they were not just baptized, but verse 41 goes on to tell us, and then they were added to the believers. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that we have been baptized into one spirit, by one spirit, into one body. If you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one of the great discourses on the body of Christ being the local church. It's right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where the apostle is speaking about the difference in the eye and the hand, speaking about the different body parts and how all of those parts come together to work out the function of Jesus Christ through the local body. And it's right there in that beautiful discourse, that beautiful teaching on the body of Christ that he is saying to those believers that we have been baptized by one spirit into one Body. It is a way not just of confessing your faith publicly in Christ, but it is also a means of connection with the body of Christ. It is identification with Christ in the sense that we are united together in the likeness, but it is also the connection of believers. I want to show you this third point this morning. It's an act of commitment. An act of commitment. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, the, the Great Commission, verse 19 and 20, Jesus tells His followers that all authority has been given unto Him in heaven and in earth. And in light of His power and presence, he says, I want you to go into all nations. And I want you to make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus Christ gave the church the great privilege the great opportunity, not just to go into all nations in an intentional missional effort, but He also commanded us what to do. To be, te to be students who are teaching. To take the truths of the Word of God, live them out, accept them for ourselves, and then, and then teach them to others. But He doesn't just say to go and to teach. He is saying specifically that it is the job of the local church to make disciples by beginning with baptism. Fall, teach the importance, the significance of baptism. Teach them to be baptized. Teach them of this public profession. Teach them of this act of connection. Teach them of this act of communicating their faith in Jesus Christ. Teach them that this is the first step of obedience in the life of the believer. You know, Jesus throws us for a loop. In the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, it's recorded in Matthew chapter 3 that Jesus came down to the river Jordan where his cousin John the Baptist was baptizing. And John had previously told the crowd that I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one coming who is going to baptize you with fire. 
John was making sure that everybody knew that even though he was baptizing and calling people to repentance to prepare the way for Christ, he didn't want anybody to forget that Christ is coming. I am not the Christ, he was saying. There is one coming, and you should prepare yourselves for him. And then here he comes. As John is down by the river Jordan, here walks Jesus, the the great I Am. Here He is, the one in whom John says, I am unworthy to even take off His sandals. And Jesus walks down to John and says, Baptize me. John replies and says, I have a need to be baptized by you. And you're coming to me? And in the Greek, Jesus says, do it. Baptize me. Now this is where Jesus throws us a curve. Because if baptism was only a picture of His death, resurrection, if baptism was only a picture of the new life he, uh, that we have, if baptism was only a picture of new life, if baptism was only a picture of the forgiveness of sins, then Jesus never would have had to have been baptized. Because he's never sinned. He didn't need new life because the first perfect life was fine. Jesus' baptism was never about repentance. He had no sin. He had no need to repent. Jesus' life, Jesus' baptism was never about a picture of washing sins away. It was never an outward display of an inward change. It was never a public profession that he had accepted himself. Never. Jesus exclusively was baptized. If for no other reason than to give us the example in which we are to follow. Let me tell you something. If you are not deeply theological this morning, and me talking about baptismal regeneration and likeness and pictures and symbols and and ordinances, and if you're here and you say, you know what, right now I'm not deeply theological, let me tell you something. Let me strip all of that away and put it over to the side for just one minute. If you are considering baptism, let me give you a real simple reason to be baptized. It's not theological but it is incredibly relational. I would want people to be baptized if for no other reason than for them to say, I am saved by Christ and I want to be baptized because He was baptized. Guys, we have the perfect example in Jesus. There's never been anything that He has ever said or done that we can't look to in the Scriptures. Act that out. Live that out in our life. We can share His teachings. We can look like Him. Go like Him. Love like Him. That's what it's about. Christian, the word Christian given in the book of Acts was literally a derogatory term meaning little Christs. They were people who were mocking and persecuting the believers because they looked so much like Jesus. They were saying, well, there go those little Christs. Those Christettes, if you will. Yes, baptism has a theological component. Has a doctrinal component 
But praise God, it also has a relational component. You see, I want you to ask yourself a few questions this morning. Considering the truth of baptism. First is this. If baptism is a picture, an outward picture, a display of the salvation you possess here. If the burial represents the old person being dead and the new person made alive, which happened that moment you trusted Christ. If baptism is a picture of salvation, then it's crucial for a scriptural baptism that baptism is on your right side of salvation. I want to ask you this morning, I want you to ask yourself this question. If you have been baptized, is it on the right side of your salvation? Does your baptism, has it followed your salvation experience? If you were 14 and got saved in May, did your baptism take place sometime after you trusted Christ as your Savior? Baptism is a picture of, A public display of that inward change that happened the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Second question. First is baptism on the right side of your salvation. Second, was your baptism an act of your exercise of your own personal will? Was it your decision? You may say, well, the pastor wanted me to. That's proclaiming truth. That's teaching the importance and the significance of of baptism, I have never. You've seen all the people that have gone through there had smiles on their face. Their hands weren't tied. Nobody was coercing them. I didn't make anybody be baptized. But I say that because there are some who believe that they were baptized when they were babies or infants. And the Bible doesn't teach anything about an infant baptism. Baptism is exclusively an act, an exercise of our will to follow Christ in response to the salvation that we possess is the baptism on the right side of your salvation. Were you baptized as an exercise of your own free will without coercion or on your own without someone doing it for you? And the third question I want to ask you, in keeping with the symbol which is so important in Scripture, were you immersed? There is no way to get around the scriptural evidence that those that were baptized were immersed. The Ethiopian eunuch, they went down into the water. They came back up. Jesus Himself went into the River Jordan and when He came up out of the water. Guys, I want to ask you those three questions. Have you thought too little of baptism? Believing that it was just fanfare. Baptism is not to be thought too little of. Baptism is not salvation. Even though baptism is not essential for one to be is not essential for one to be saved, it is important in the life of the believer. It is the first step of obedience. It is not the finish line. It is not the finish line. It is literally the starting block for your journey with Jesus Christ. This morning I know you may have come in here this morning and say, Pastor, 
I've been baptized. It's on the right side of my salvation. It was a decision of my own will. And pastor, I was immersed. So what am I going to take out of this message? I hope this morning that for those of you that have, according to Scripture, followed that symbol in the proper manner. I hope this morning, even though this may not apply to you in the sense of the death and the burial, I pray that every one of us that has been baptized together in the likeness of His death would make a commitment today. Maybe reaffirm our commitment to Christ to say, help me walk in newness of life. Help me walk in newness of life. Are we walking in obedience to God's Word today? Are there things in your life? The Apostle teaches baptism right in the middle of his discourse of speaking about living in sin. He's saying that, there's, that why would we live in sin when Christ has given us the victory over it? Today, are you stuck in a besetting sin, something that is weighing you down, holding you down, robbing you of that sense of joy that you can have as a believer in Christ? Is fear, faithlessness, lust, what is it that may be dragging you down, the grave clothes that are covering you, that are keeping you from living in the newness of life? What is our answer to God this morning as He takes His Word and applies His truth to our heart? Salvation, have you never been saved? Have you never trusted Christ? Today, would you know that you and I naturally are separated from God because of our sin? And that that God in His infinite love for us sent His only Son, Jesus, to the earth to meet the standards of His holiness, to live the perfect life that you and I are unable to live. And He put Him on the cross as a sacrifice in our place. God, I can't earn it. I can't work it out. I can't do what is needed to do in order to meet the requirement of holiness, so I trust exclusively only in what Jesus did for me. If that's your heart today to say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I have missed the mark. I know I'm separated from you. But God, today, I have, been, I have the opportunity to be drawn near to you through the death of your Son. If you say in your heart, Lord, forgive me for my sins and be my Lord and Savior today as I give my life over to you, the Bible promises. They that call upon the name of the Lord will never be ashamed.